This week on Across the Peak, Rich and I tell you how to throw off the bow lines, leave the safe harbor, and travel like a boss. Welcome to the Across the Peak podcast, the show where Rich and Justin discuss preparedness, the birds and the bees, guns, history, tattoos, and well, basically all the stuff your old man should have taught you. Rich Brown's a failed 70s child actor, retired Marine Corps officer and former cop. Justin Carroll, he's a washed up former special operator, half-assed author, and adventurer at large. Learn life skills, harden the fuck up, and become a dangerous man. Get your damn boots on, gents, because we're going across the peak rich what's going on man i'm sitting here sitting very awkwardly close to you with a microphone between us that's what's going on that's right man uh rich and i are in a hotel room together Read into that, whatever you, whatever you, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you might read into. Uh, Rich and I happen to be in the same city. We're here for a uh, a training event with Rich's other podcast and company. Do you want to talk about that at all? Or yeah, we can briefly. Uh, American Warrior Society, Mike Sinclair and I. We we this is our third annual Warrior Week. Uh, it's a full week of training, and Justin is going to be teaching some stuff for us and. So here we are, and I think it's only apt that we're having a uh, episode on travel, and you and I are in the midst of traveling. That is a very apt topic, and that is, uh, I assure the listener, 100% by accident. It's just what came up on the editorial calendar, and here we are. So that's what we're going to do. But while we're sitting there, Rich, what, you, what are you drinking, man? I am drinking Backbone Bourbon, and uh, this is something that when I was in my local liquor store the other day, they had a sample of it, and I enjoyed it. I don't know anything about it other than it was pretty tasty, and I grabbed a bottle. How are you feeling about that? I haven't. I, I see you with the bottle sitting there. I haven't tried it yet because uh, I'm, I'm having beer right now. But It's not bad bourbon. I'm not sure uh, what the mash bill is or where it's from. I really don't know anything about it other than it says backbone bourbon on the bottle, and I think it's made in Kentucky. Gotcha, man. Gotcha. I, man... I'm in the. I cannot wait to talk about what I'm drinking because I am in the great state of Tennessee, and I am drinking one of my absolute favorite beers of all time, and one that you can only. I don't. Can you only find it here? I've only seen it in Tennessee. I have only seen it in Tennessee. I haven't seen it any place else. And we might have talked about this once before. It's by Wiseacre Brewing out of Memphis, and it's called Gotta Get Up to Get Down. It's a coffee milk stout. It is absolutely one of the smoothest tastiest most satisfying beers i've ever had man and a matter of fact we went to the little beer store in downtown knoxville this afternoon and all they had was three singles so that's all i came home with but man i love these things yeah and if you've kind of been hesitant to have a dark beer i will tell you this is the most drinkable dark beer i've ever ever had yeah, it's uh, it, it it's. I feel like a lot of people are put off by dark beers because they think it's going to have a really strong taste or a. I'm not really. It paints a certain picture in your head when you see that opaque black beer in that glass. But let me tell you, this is crisp. It's smooth. It's got that coffee. Even if you don't like coffee, it's good. Kai likes it. Kai is not a. Well, I might have made a coffee convert out of kai because when we were recording the coffee episode she's like oh man it does all this stuff for your liver and everything else and i know that this episode is going to air before the coffee episode so that's just a little teaser for you guys but we talk about all the health benefits coffee and 
all that other stuff. But anyway, she started has started drinking a little bit of iced coffee here and there, but she is not a coffee drinker, and she loves got to get up to get down. Yeah, it, it is it is the bomb. I'll I'll assure you that. And I I think the first time I had it, you brought it up to the up to the farm. Is that right? Yeah, that was almost a year ago. Yeah, that was a that was the first time I came out to to your house, and I stopped at the uh, the good time the old good times mm-hmm. liquor store, mm-hmm. which is an awesome liquor and beer store, and they had that, and I could not resist, man. So uh, so today we're going to talk about what how to travel like a freaking boss or what. Yeah, man. Uh, So this was kind of your idea, and you put together a lot of notes for this, and I've added a couple things to it. But, uh, I, man, I think travel is incredibly important to do as a pastime. Also, a lot of our listeners, no doubt, and ourselves have to travel, just kind of have to and don't have a choice in the matter, and this will help make that travel situation maybe a little easier, or that's the hope. Yeah, but I think there's also a lot of people that dream of travel that really have never gotten out. I I know that we got some uh, friends and family that have literally never been in an airplane before, never been in an airport terminal before, never left, you know, the state they're in, a lot of them, or maybe they've been to some of the connecting states. So, and I'll tell a personal story. We had our kids in a private school when we lived in South Carolina, and I would uh, fly in on Friday, and I would try to fly in early enough so that I could go and pick up my sons at at private school. And every time I would uh, drive up to pick them up on Friday, the principal of the school would be out there, and he would say, oh, where are you flying in from? And he loved it because he had never, ever been anywhere. He went to high school in South Carolina. He went to college in South Carolina, and he got a job teaching in South Carolina, and there he is as a middle-aged man, never never went anywhere. So he was fascinated with those of us that travel as much as you and I have as adults. I think that's interesting, man, because I definitely know people who have never flown on an airplane. I know people who have never left basically a little three-state area. And was it you? did you look up statistics on this? The percentage of Americans that have passports is is a real small percentage, man. It, it's a shocking percentage. Yeah, we had talked about it at one point. I want to say it's like, it's maybe 18 million out of 340 million people. I mean, that's a small percentage. That Man, that's like 5% or something, yeah. which means 95% of Americans. And that that is math that I just pulled out of my hat here, so don't take that yeah, to don't the bank, quote but, that, but no. we read it somewhere. But, uh, man, well, so it's... For 300 million Americans, that'd basically be 30 million passports. So, and Rich is pulling out his phone to do the math here, so I'm getting a little distracted. But yeah, there's a lot of people that dream of travel, and a lot of people that have to travel for work and absolutely hate it, and a lot of people that that just travel a lot that will probably enjoy listening to this and pick up a few tips and tricks here. But hopefully there's a little something for for everyone here. If you dream of travel and don't do it hopefully this is that nudge to actually travel if you're that person that has to travel all the time hopefully this is going to make your travel a little bit easier and that's what kind of what we're hoping to do here and i think there's a lot of reasons that you should travel if you if you don't and i i know rich has got some awesome reasons listed out here in the notes but uh and and i'll definitely throw a few things on here but what do you got man why should people travel well and i think that's a good place to start why you should travel because if you're one of those people that haven't kind of left left the nest or flown far from the nest, I think we want to get you to want to get out there and do it. I know that Justin and I have had to do it because of our careers with, with the government, various other things that have 
forced us to travel. But if you're not that guy or gal, you haven't been forced, here's some reasons. Number one, man, and I, I personally think you need to challenge yourself. You need to challenge yourself to go see uh, go see something else, go do something else you've never done before because the the benefit, the second, third order effect of that is you're going to become more resilient and probably more resourceful. Probably so because every place in the world is not like the good old U.S. of A. Every place on the planet is not a McDonald's and a gas station at every single exit along the highway. They don't have, you know, if you don't like your pillows in your hotel, they're not going to bring you up a firmer, a slightly firmer pillow. If you don't like the way this meat is cooked at the restaurant, man, a lot of times to travel, you just got to suck it up because we're very fortunate in this country to have everything pretty much exactly the way we want it at all times. That's not the case everywhere. Uh, also, putting yourself in a place with a language barrier creates challenges to overcome. Putting yourself in a place with different traffic patterns and you can't read the language, so you don't know exactly what you're buying at the store. That that all kind of instills a sense of um, just resilience and overcoming what, in all actuality, some pretty minor obstacles. But once you get into a foreign country and you're like, yeah, I can function here, I can drive, I can navigate the highways, I can find the things I need to support myself, that's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, and I was just having a conversation last night with a young person. Uh, matter of fact, uh, it was a conversation I'd really never had before with a young trans person, and uh, they were they were at my house with some other friends of of, uh, of ours, and uh, she was saying that you know isn't it great we live in a place where it's, it's relatively safe and we live in a time in, in in the world where things are really safe and and there's no struggle and strife and I'm like well you know that's kind of a relative concept you know. Just because we're we're sitting here in my house having a glass of wine doesn't necessarily mean that everywhere in the world is exactly like this. Matter of fact, almost nowhere in the world is it exactly like this. So challenge yourself is number one. Get out there. You're going to become more resilient and resourceful. Let's talk about the second one. And it kind of bleeds over from the first one. That is learn. Changing your perspective and challenge the, the assumptions that you have. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, no question about it, man. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pull out a Mark Twain quote that has long been one of my absolute favorite quotes. And, and I think it's really important. Travel is fatal. And I'm going into the quote now. Sorry. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry and narrow mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on those accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all of one's lifetime. And this applies to a lot of people that I know. So I, I have done a lot of travel that I've not had a choice in through the military and the government and jobs and whatever else. But when I was a kid growing up, I wanted nothing more than to travel. I, I was constantly bugging my parents, hey, let, take me to Washington, D.C. for the summer. Hey, let's go to California for the summer. Hey, let's go. I, I just had this desire to travel the earth. And that's not super common. And I'm not putting myself on a pedestal for that. This is just what I wanted. You don't pick what you want. It, it just comes to you. But there's a lot of people that are perfectly content living in the same. I mean, there's, there's, you know, people that are born and raised in New York city and have pretty not much never left the city. Right. Yeah. They've never left the city, never owned a car. My, uh, my daughter, she was dating an a actor up in New York city and, they would fly back and forth, and it was interesting because he was born and raised in, in Manhattan, and the guy never owned a car, didn't drive a car, didn't own a, didn't have a driver's license, didn't know how to drive a car. So um, I think that traveling is going to help you 
challenge a lot of the assumptions you have. And one of the books that Justin and I were talking about earlier uh, is called The Ugly American. And I don't, I don't have the details on it right now. I read it years ago. It was it came out in the 50s. And it was, I want to say it was written by a couple, it may be even written anonymously, not anonymously, but by two people under a, a pseudonym because they worked for the State Department at the time that they wrote it. And they talked about the, th- the things that they saw Americans do in and around the embassies and consulates in other countries. And it has some amazing little stories in there. They're comical, but I think if the reader read them today, they could see that same kind of stuff going on with Americans. So learn. The third thing I want to talk about is why you should travel is it helps you appreciate your own life. Like the conversation I was having just last night. Because I have traveled and because I know that there are places in the world that are very dangerous that, that, you know, uh, and that's what this trans person said. She said, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, they would probably throw me off a building in certain places or whatever. And she even said there's a place and she'd like to travel to Africa in this particular country. You know, she she would be put to death. <clears throat> so it helps you appreciate your own life. Absolutely. It helps you appreciate the luxury that we have. You and I, have tra- like through the military and various other stuff that we've done, we've traveled to some places that are not, definitely not first world nations where every luxury is available to you and where if you have just a little bit of, of money, even as a PFC in the Marine Corps, you you can pretty much, man, you can pretty much buy anything you want. You're, you're, places that are, and that's not a commentary on how great it is here, but largely commentary on how bad it is there relative to what we have here. And, uh, yeah, that's absolutely, a uh, appreciating your own life is absolutely a benefit of travel. And just, just to give the, the listener some appreciation, if you haven't traveled to some of these third world countries, I believe it was the Philippines. I could take five bucks out, uh, and, and literally, have a great night all night long, eat, drink, uh, get on taxis and jeepneys and trikes and go bounce all over the town all night long and come back with some of that, uh, some pesos still in my pocket at the end of the night. So um, the next thing I want to talk about is building and strengthening relationship. Boy, oh boy, if you want to build and strengthen a relationship, here's a good way to do that. Travel. Yeah, definitely. When you travel with someone... And, dude, they're, they're, like, back to that first point of challenges, when you face that challenge of uncertainty in a new place with someone, when you spend that intimate time with someone, sitting beside each other on the way to the airport, hanging out in the airport, uh, sitting at the airport bar, getting on the flight. Recording a podcast in a hotel room. (laughs) (laughs) Recording a podcast in a crappy hotel room. Uh, I'm just kidding. Mm. We're in a nice hotel room. Um, when you go through all that stuff with someone and make it back on the other end, basically what that forges is a memory. And there's a concept that I am working into an episode that we're working up right now. And it's, it's the concept of joy. And basically we experience it in three phases, the, the phase of looking forward to something, the phase of actually doing that thing or having that thing or whatever, ever it is. And then the memory of that thing, which is, is the single biggest one. If you travel with someone, you're going to experience that memory for the rest of your life. And you're always going to have, even on a short trip, you're always going to have, no matter how small, a shared bond, for lack of a better word, with that person. Yeah, and that's, I don't know if we ever mentioned that in another episode, but when I was 
knew I was going to retire from the Marine Corps, I really, really, really wanted an Omega watch. You know, I thought, man, what a great little gift to get myself as a retirement gift or have my wife buy it for me or whatever. <clears throat> and as the date approached, I'd read somewhere what you said, Justin, and that is the memory of those experiences will be with you for a lifetime, whereas that tangible object you have for just that, eventually it's just going to be another watch that I take off at the end of the day. But the, the memories of the traveling that I've done with the people that I've done it with and the, and the moments that we've shared together mean more to me than any watch. So I ultimately went with a much, much, much cheaper watch. Um, so I think I think that's incredibly, incredibly important. Um, go ahead. No, no, no. No, let's talk about the next one. Have an adventure. Do something crazy outside your comfort zone. You know, one of the guys we were having dinner with tonight, he said that, him and his wife had been planning for years to to go to this country, and I think they said for the last nine years of their 20 years of marriage, things kept coming up, and they kept putting it off and sliding it down the, the road, and then she had some medical concerns come up, and it, they just hadn't got to it yet, but they do have it on the calendar now, so good for them. I would challenge you, do something a little nuts, like um, the last time that we were traveling out of the country, my son and I were just kicking back watching shooting stars one night in the in the hot tub and we're like hey let's let's do this this year all right screw it well and we started pulling our money and doing everything we could do to make it happen and this is something that out of one of our other uh books of the week we talked about deep survival and there was a part in deep survival where he mentioned that one of his really close friends was killed she was a performing aerobatic artist at air shows and she had gotten killed while flying inverted with the smoke on. And she was only 30-something years old and left behind a grieving family, etc. And somebody had really kind of came down hard on her, like, why'd she live that kind of life? And that was reckless, and she had a family. And then that same woman developed cancer and passed away within a year at 30-something. So his point was this. On a long enough timeline, everybody's you know survivability falls to zero. So why not, from time to time, fly inverted with the smoke on? Yeah, absolutely, brother. And that brings up, actually, on the drive out here today, I was thinking about a story. Have you ever heard this? There was a couple that decided to, they both saved up all the money they could. They quit their jobs, and they basically moved on to a sailboat, and their intent was to sail all around the world. And I think it was between like the Indonesian island chains in Australia. They hit trouble. Their boat started taking on water, their electrical system crapped out, their communication system died, and they had a small baby with them, an infant baby with them that had some sort of illness, like fever kept going up and whatever, and they couldn't deal with it. So they ended up hitting their emergency beacon, their last resort, the Coast Guard, or, or, or whatever nation's Coast Guard, landed a helicopter, took them off the boat, and they flew away watching their house sink to the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. And... That They got a lot of criticism for that, but I'm, I'm kind of with you, man. On a long enough timeline, everybody's survivability falls to nothing. That's the one thing we're all guaranteed is we will all die. And you know what? They'll, they'll like, fortunately for them, they'll live to start again. They'll have another adventure. They'll have, they'll, they live to see another day. But yeah, man, like, what what's it all for? Like, eventually, none of us are going to be here, so... We're all just animated meat puppets, pal. And, and not to not to go too dark on this, but but yeah, have an adventure. Yeah. So let's talk about the next one: escape and relax. When you, when you hear that, what do you think of? Man, I just picture 
I picture a Corona commercial, man. I picture a lawn chair between two perfect palm trees on a white sand beach and uh, just watching this crystal clear water crash in on the, on the shoreline there. And I tell you, you can find fun anywhere. Uh, I had to go down and investigate some wrongdoing on Puerto Rico one time. Uh, some Marines were doing some bad stuff, and they didn't know I was coming. The commanding officer of Puerto Rico didn't even know I was coming. And um, and But you know what? I'm like, this is going to suck. This is going to be bad. But you know what? Maybe I can still somehow pull an escape and relax out of this. So I booked myself in a really awesome hotel in San Juan. I went down. I jacked everybody up, read everybody their rights, went back to the hotel and laid underneath a palm tree for the rest of the day. (laughs) (laughs) So I've only been to about two places on the entire, well, in the entire United States. I'm not going to say on the entire planet, but only about two cities in the entire United States that I haven't walked away from saying, yeah, I could live here. And one of those is Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm blanking on what the other one was right now. But yeah, man, you you can find... A good relaxing time anywhere, but a lot of times that requires getting out of where you live. I used to live in Boston, Massachusetts. I used to always say, like, yeah, one day I'll go see the Constitution. One day I'll go see this, that, or the other. And you know when I saw that stuff? I saw that stuff about five years after I moved away from Boston, Massachusetts, and I just happened to be up there, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go see the damn Constitution because I lived up here. I've never been on this thing because the place you live, there's no sense of urgency of like, oh, we like we got to do this. It's like, ah, I'll, I'll see it tomorrow. But um, yeah, escape, see some history, see some see some sights. If you go to Philly, everybody's going to ask if you ate a Philly cheesesteak, eat the damn Philly cheesesteak. Uh, see some new stuff, escape, get some new scenery, and, and work a little relaxation in there. That's a good point. I don't know that it's in our outline, and that is, you know, when you go to these places, there are going to be some touristy things, and I want you to have the... The local experience, I think that's a very important thing. But I would also tell you, do not skip on some of those little touristy things. They're a cliched tourist thing for a reason. Uh, so I would encourage you to, to, to plan a few of those in your t- travel itinerary. The next thing is celebrate. And this is the final reason why you should travel. Celebrate the fact that you're alive. You're you're this side of the of the dirt for the moment, man. Celebrate the person that you're with and the time that you guys get to share together. Um, celebrate the fact that the sun is still in your face uh, today, man. I don't know. What do you think? I I totally agree with that, man. And you know, again, not to put too fatalistic a view on this, and I weird a lot of people out. I I make a lot of people uncomfortable. Uh, especially Kai. I'll just, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. But she'll say stuff like, oh, and, you know, when we're old and whatever, and I'm like, I, I don't know that I'm going to be old. I I, I mean, I'm, I might not be old. And uh, I've seen enough bad things happen to people to know that we're not guaranteed anything, and you have to enjoy what you got right now because that's right now is all you got. And, uh, you know, it's, again, it's cliched. I like the James Dean quote. I think it was James Dean that said, what was it dream like you'll live forever or, or dream like you'll live forever? But uh, I know one that goes something like, but live like you've only got today or something yeah. like that. Learn like you're going to live forever, um, live like you're going to die tomorrow, or something like that, or love like you're going to die tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, uh, what, one final thing since we're butchering some quotes here today, <laughs> um, I really like this one. And you had your Mark Twain one. This was kind of mine. And this, the quote is this. Take only memories, leave only footprints. And I think that goes to being respectful of where you're at and the culture that you're in, you know. 
try not to, I mean, it's hard, especially for me, you know, sometimes I like to take a, a stone away or something like that, and I'll put it on a carn that I have on our farm, you know, so I'll bring something back and, and memorialize it there on a stack of rocks at my house, but Taking a rock, I think, is not bad. If you're chiseling a brick out of something, that's probably not good. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, have you ever been to Pompeii? No, no. So I, I have not either, and that's uh, that's on my short list of places to visit because apparently Pompeii, the Italian city that was uh, covered in ash by the volcano, apparently only a tiny section of it has been like curated and marked off for tourists, but you can walk through the whole thing. So people take all kinds of shit. They touch things. They... Basically, the whole thing's just being destroyed by millions of visitors to it, touching it and taking things and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, big believer. And this is also butchered in at almost every single national park. And usually, it's something like take only memories, or take only photographs, leave only footprints, or yeah. something along those lines. But yeah, I'm all about that, man. And that's from Chief Seattle. If I didn't give attribution to that, so and we're going to talk about how to travel now. We talked a little bit about why. Let's talk about how. And to be honest with you, we're just going to lightly touch on the wave tops here. This is not going to be anything crazy. But number one, I want to talk about some planning considerations. Justin, what what do you think is the first thing? So first off, where where are you going? There's definitely some uh, considerations involved in that. Domestically, that's pretty easy travel. But uh, international, there's a lot of considerations that go into that. Do you need a visa from that country? Do you need certain immunizations from that country? Do you need to bring certain things like uh, malaria prophylaxis to that country? There's all kinds of considerations once you get, especially off the beaten track. If you're just going to Western Europe, you'll be fine. But if you're going anywhere other than... Literally anywhere other than Canada or the UK or France or Spain, like anywhere other than the US, Canada, Western Europe, there's some deep considerations there. Right? <laughs> yeah, there are some deep considerations. And, and for our American listeners, we know we have international listeners as well, but uh, for you gringos, like if you're traveling somewhere other than the beaten track. Yeah, th- there are some significant uh, considerations. You know, the voltage regulators. All the things that you've already said, Justin, uh, safety and security considerations. And I don't know if this is, yeah, it is in our notes, so I'll I'll hold off on that. Next thing is, why are you going there? Is this for business? Is it for pleasure? Uh, What's taking you to that? And I hope it's for pleasure, but if it is for business, what are all the things you need to take with you? Like this trip for me was we need a uh, projector screen. We need a projector. We need HDMI cables and cords and all the crap that you have to take when you're doing business travel, which is why I hate it so much. The next one is, um, what are you going to be carrying? Uh, what must you take? What do you really want to take? Are, are you carrying a firearm? Have you looked into that? Is there a reciprocity agreement for that? Are airline bags $75 a piece? Do you really need a check bag? Can you get by with less stuff? I'm all about traveling as light as I possibly can if I'm air traveling especially, but uh, yeah, you definitely want to take a hard look at what you actually need. And I think we've talked about this, and this is probably going to be a completely separate episode, but but packing for travel. And we this goes back a little bit to the EDC bag episode because my EDC bag is also my, like, I've done, like, three-day trips just on that bag, and I have a little um, uh, hygiene bag that I can throw in there that will cover me for short trips. I'm not going to be shaving and stuff, but... Uh, I'm sidetracking. We'll, we'll, we'll get off that. But yeah, uh, so where are you going? Why are you going there? And what are you bringing with you? And what's next? 
how are you going to get there? You know, is, are you going to fly there? Uh, and if you are going to fly, somebody going to pick you up at the airport? You're going to rent a car? You know, what's that going to cost you? Are you taking? Are you going by ship? You know, there's a whole host of issues there. Car, your own car, you're renting a car. Are you taking a train? So uh, all those considerations need to be locked down. Where are you going to stay? Uh, what town are you going to? City? Are there some safety considerations? Are you going to a different country? While you're there, are you going to go to another? There's some neat things if you're if you're considering like where you're going to stay. Like Justin and I are big on Airbnb. And Airbnb, if you'd like to have be a sponsor of them <laughs> across the peak, we'd love to have you. Or you can reach me at rich at acrossthepeak.com. But there's also some pretty cool stuff called Couchsurfing, uh, Couchsurfing.com. You ever remember that? I have, and I've actually used that many, many years ago. I used it once, and it was a fine experience, and it actually ended up being much like an Airbnb. There's actually no one home. Uh, the one time I did use that, and then for whatever reason, I didn't use it, and I kind of for, kind of forgot about it until you brought it back up, to be honest. Yeah, I've never done it, but I've I've heard some pretty cool stuff. Um, who's paying for all this? You know, am I paying for it? Work paying for it? Somebody else paying for it? Um, if so, you know, what do they want? What are they <laughs> expecting me to do if they're paying for all this travel? Let's get that out of the way up front. And finally, the the last thing on planning is rewards clubs. Justin, are these things legit? What's your experience? Well, uh, so I'll tell you, man. I'm kind of jaded on these. So I was a U.S. Airways, whatever the I think it was chairman's member. Um, and I'm, I'm a little bit mixed on this, to be honest. So it was fantastic when I was, when us airways existed and every single time I flew, I got upgraded to first class, always had priority boarding, three free bags, all the perks, priority bags, all that good stuff. It was freaking awesome, dude. And then us airways merged with American and everybody got screwed and, I'm really just jaded and unhappy. But anyway, another important piece of this that I think you should think about is I remember one work trip specifically, and this was five, six, seven years ago. This is a while back. But my boss was a Hilton Honors junkie. And at the time, I traveled so much, people would be like, are you Hilton guy, Marriott guy? And I was like, I'm all of them, man. I am top tier at Hilton, Marriott, SPG, like IHG. I'm on the road. So I'm in a hotel 250 nights a year whatever, throw me in whatever. I've, I got top tier status in all of them, but he was a Hilton guy. And we, uh, there was one trip we went on uh, to a city that had an awesome little downtown area. And there was one hotel downtown and it was a, um, it was a four point Sheraton. And he's like, Nope, not staying there. So instead he stayed like 25 minutes down the highway, down the interstate away from this downtown area in like a little produced experience, uh, strip mall type thing with the PF Changs and REI and all that stuff, but away from the actual downtown. So he could get those points, but he missed out on an amazing experience. Only two of us out of the entire crew, we had about a dozen people, only two of us stayed downtown. Dude, we had the time of our lives every single night for a week and everybody else is like, oh, yeah, we just went to P.F. Chang's for dinner and, and went back to the hotel. And and I, I think it can, like, suck you into this brand loyalty that can make you blind to other experiences that you might be missing out on. Yeah, it's that law of unattended consequences, hard at work again. And, and I was the same way, Justin. I was a, but I was Delta. I had great experience with Delta. I had great experience with Hilton Honors, and I, and I was brand loyal to those and never really got off the chain. I think I traveled with one senior officer who was a Marriott guy, 
and it was always the same kind of shit. You know, he was staying on the other side of town, and it was always awkward and weird. We have to drive over and pick his ass up. So, but I will tell you though, if if you're not a member of a rewards club and you do travel, bro, you're really missing out. You probably should. And some of these you can combine, like Delta and Hilton Honors. You could combine so you double dip on points, which was pretty cool. So for years and years and years. I, I never had to pay for airfare. I never had to pay for hotels. So when I traveled with my family, uh, I was already covered. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. Just back to back to my point on that. I would say don't let uh, don't let that membership blind you to other opportunities, though. And one thing that you mentioned on this that you taught me was the Expedia. Uh, what's it called? The adventure. The yeah. The kayak. Uh, the yeah. Yeah. Kayak. And and we're going to talk about that in just a second because that is a really cool thing. So anything else on planning before we move into some of the transportation stuff? I think we're pretty much good. But, yeah, if you need a visa, if you need vaccinations, if you, you know, like, do all this planning stuff, uh, I mean, don't let that stop you from deciding on a trip, decide on what you're going to do, but also realize some things you're going to have to back plan maybe 30, 60, 90 days in advance. Everything can't – you can't just hop on a plane to anywhere tomorrow uh, at least not safely. So do your planning well in advance, but don't let planning become the mission. True, very true. So the next thing I want to talk about is transportation. Planes, trains, and automobiles, and some weird combination of all all of it. So the first thing we're going to talk about is kind of trains and rail passes. And I'll be honest with you, uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, it seemed like all my cousins went off to college, and they were, every summer, you know, they'd get a Euro rail pass, and they're over there, you know, backpacking across the Alps and doing all this cool shit while I'm stuck in some crappy third world country. And I was always kind of jealous of that. So I'm like, okay, no problem. When I get out of the Marine Corps, I'm going to do that. And um, the day of the cheap Euro Rail Pass is long since gone. <laughs> you ain't kidding, buddy. Uh, you're absolutely not kidding. So um, my dream, and so I had... I had the opportunity to have a sixth grade teacher that was a reserve Navy. What's a colonel in the Navy? Captain. Captain. Yeah. An 06 in the Navy. And this guy was, he was the, the teacher that everybody else in the school was terrified of, unless you were one of his students. And then you love this guy. He could do no wrong. But he, <laughs> and man, just a guy that had traveled the entire world and could spin a tail and make you... Like, give you that wanderlust, that sense of adventure. I've never met anybody, never met many people like this guy, and especially as a sixth grader. This guy made a deep, deep impression on me and, and was a large part of that fuel, that desire to travel. But he talked about the Orient Express, and man, that was, for years, that was my dream. And I'll be honest, the biggest thing I've done is, like, take an Amtrak to, from, like, Fayetteville to Boston or something on a train, but... Yeah, I have little to no train experience. The ones I've done were excursions, so I don't think either one of us are uh, necessarily qualified to give a whole lot of advice on this, other than I will say I have looked into travel uh, around Europe on on the rails a lot, and it is just, although it's a pretty cool experience, I will say, but it, you cannot do it as cheaply, and it, it will cost you quite a bit of coin, and you could probably fly around faster and cheaper. So let's talk about flying. And Justin had mentioned this a while ago. There is a really cool app, not an app. Well, I guess it is an app, but it's also a website, kayak.com. And kayak.com has this really cool explore function. So if you go to www.kayak.com forward slash explore, 
You can pick in the city that you want to fly out of and then the amount of money you want to spend and, and you can control some other variables and it will let you see what your possibilities are. For example, you got a thousand bucks. Okay. Well, I want to spend 400 in airfare and 600. You know, I want to go somewhere crazy like Rich and Justin is saying, where can I go? What can I do? Put that variable in there and, and hit the uh, enter button. Yeah, it's really cool. You basically just put in your cash amount and it will show you the places you can go and then you can refine from there. And I had no idea that existed until you showed me that. And that is the coolest thing in the world. As a matter of fact, here's what I'm using it for right now, Rich. Uh, Do you like hanging out in airports? Me all the time. (laughs) I love hanging out in airports. I, I love having a long layover in an airport Assuming it's not in the middle of the night when everything's closed. I love drinking in airport bars. I love people watching in airports. So uh, Kai and I, <laughs> we recently used this feature, and we put in like $40 as our max limit. Basically, just so we could get a plane ticket to anywhere. We don't care where it is. We're not going to take the flight. We're just going to go to the airport and hang out at the airport for four hours and drink at the bar and then take an Uber home. So That is the most random thing I've ever heard. I love it. <laughs> So, yeah, so you can do a lot of really cool stuff with Kayak, man. And I'll tell you, let's say you got 500 bucks, You put it in there and then pull out from the, the city and the, the part of the United States you're looking at. And there might be a place for 500 bucks you can go to in Spain or the Azores or God knows where. That's really cool. 500 bucks if you're if you have flexible travel dates and flexible airports, 500 bucks will get you a long, long way. You could probably go to... <clears throat> I'm throwing my own cultural bias on here. You go to Ireland for 500 bucks all day long. You could probably go to Spain. You could go to, you could probably get yourself to the European continent for 500 bucks from the East Coast at least. Believe it or not. So, and that's another reason too. You know, uh, I looked it up. Forbes, I guess, back in January of this year, said that 15 percent of Americans have a passport. I would tell you do this before. Now that we got y'all hot and bothered, if you don't have a freaking passport, go get one because. It's going to be about a four- to six-week lag time from the time that you fill out all the forms to get one. It's going to be good for 10 years. It doesn't have any identifying information about where you live or anything like that, like Justin told us in the EDC episode. But it's something to have so when an opportunity like that presents itself, you can seize the moment and go for it. I think everybody should have a passport, man. I remember uh, I was I was an adult when I got my first passport, and it was not because I needed one. It's because I want to be a person that has a passport. I thought that was just cool as fuck that anybody could go get a passport. And I, dude, I'd never seen, I'd literally never seen a passport before I got mine at, I was, I don't know, 20, 21, 22 years old. I'd never seen a passport before. Yeah. And there's some really cool stuff about passports. Um, we'll have to put this in the show notes. I found a really cool passport uh, website where you can rate your passports against other passports and find out what country that you you can have. A, a, like, for example, if I wanted to go to Madagascar, do I need a visa for that? Well, here's a website that, that tells you all of that kind of information. So we'll make sure that's in the show notes. Check it out at acrossthepeak.com to find out more about that. Well, like Justin said, I think that you can't go wrong with getting one. I mean, it's what what does it cost now? A hundred and something dollars to get one? Is it really a hundred dollars? It's be. been a it's been three or four years since I got mine. One the one thing I would recommend on that is also get a passport card because it's an awesome ID. It doesn't like I say, it doesn't have your address on it. So if you lose your 
you know, your EDC bag, your somebody doesn't know what your address is, so they can't come steal all the rest of your cool crap. But um, and it's a federally issued ID, so it's good pretty much anywhere. It's good for land and sea travel to the U.S., the Caribbean, Mexico, and Canada. Um, awesome second thing, and that only costs you ten bucks more than the passport itself. So, yeah, man, go go get a passport. The other thing about the passport is this is an interesting little footnote. The passport only come around after World War One, and I think it, it started gaining ground during World War One, and then by the early 1920s it was something that virtually every country had, and you really had to have one. And So that's interesting to consider that before that, you literally could go anywhere with nothing, no credentials whatsoever. Also, I love what you read on the inside of a passport. It's like the Secretary of State requests that you permit entry and safe haven to this, you know, the bearer of this document who is resident. Of the, it's, it's a really cool concept, and it dates back several the, – the idea for it dates back several hundred years and I don't remember exactly where this came from, but we should we should probably look into this. And uh, we'll, we will definitely have some additional information in the show notes at acrossthepeak.com. So uh, make sure you guys check that stuff out. One final thing on this, when, when you said that, Justin, it reminded me, when I got into genealogy and, and all my families from East Tennessee, we, matter of fact, the, Captain William Bean, who uh, had the first, um, I guess, white child in you know, what's now Tennessee, it was my one of my great 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 grandparents. But anyway, when he made the trek over the mountains, he was going through the Cherokee Indian Territory, and you basically filled out passport type paperwork, and you had so much time to guarantee safe passage to get your rear end through Cherokee country and back out of it again. Anyway, that I just thought that was pretty interesting. It reminded me of the passport. Let's talk about city transit. Uh, what do you? What kind of experience have you had with this? A little bit of everything, man. From buses. Taxis, Ubers, which I don't use Uber anymore, subways, water taxis, and ferries, a little bit of everything getting around inside of cities, man. What about you? I'll be honest with you. I was always a little leery of it until a friend of mine's like, what's the problem? I'm like, well, I like to have my own vehicle there. And he's like, yeah, but because I had never lived in a big city. He's like, you have, Justin. I I didn't truly appreciate the level of traffic that were in some of them. And then we started traveling and uh now my experience is i will go to that city i will stay as close as i can to if they have a a metro or some sort of subway system and i'm gonna that's where i'm gonna park my ass right there park the car and travel on city transit because normally it's very cheap very reliable and i don't have to do any of the driving i can enjoy the person i'm with hop on and off all day long without having to worry about paying 20 and 30 dollars for parking and all these other kind of things yeah absolutely man um so on your on your subject of driving there and actually going back to the very first part of this episode i know a guy that i worked with uh on one of the uh one of the government programs i worked on he had been in the military he had been a special operations soldier but he was he was born and raised in New York city, never had a driver's license. And because this job required a certain amount of driving, he had to actually hold the driver's license to get that job. So that's why he got his first ever driver's license in, in his early thirties, which is unbelievable to me. But uh, I, I didn't grow up in a big city, but I have lived in several big cities. And personally for me, I hate driving in the city. I don't think I'm a good city driver, but Largely, that's because I don't think anybody is, because I don't think it's possible to be a great driver in a city, because everything's jammed up all the freaking time. Uh, personally, for me, 
I will stay as close as I can to the city center and take, you know, whatever whatever means of public transit to whatever attractions I want to go see, if that's a possibility, especially outside of the U.S. where traffic patterns and traffic laws are different. Yeah, same, same. So the next thing is boats and buses. And I've had um, some water taxis and things of this nature, especially down in Fort Lauderdale area. Um, But also ferries, man. Uh, There's a lot of places that if you take the ferry from point A to point B, it will save you hours of driving around those areas. So, But ferries come with their own little idiosyncrasies like you you need to know the fairy tables and thank god there's the this amazing thing called the internet so you can find out a lot of those things a lot of the fairies are seasonal man especially up north where things can get icy and the waterways can be a challenge so you got to make sure don't think that the fairies run all the year yeah no no question about it man so talk to me about driving in foreign countries well foreign countries as well as here you know renting a car or you taking your own Sometimes you take your own, you know, if you, I've driven into Mexico before, like a moron when I was a younger guy, I surely wouldn't do that today. I don't know that I would rent a car either, but, um, but so these are some things that you need to consider. If you're going to take your own, it's kind of cool because you get to pack it with whatever you want. It's your vehicle. You're accustomed to it, but you also incur the risk of getting your vehicle stolen, getting your vehicle damaged, et cetera, et cetera. If you're going to rent a car, well, guess what? Do you need the collision damage waiver? Is that something that's important? I couldn't tell you. What I can tell you is you need to know, and how you find out is by the the um, credit card that you're using to rent the car. Does it come with some sort of you know, collision damage waiver already? And I've got a great story about that. A very close friend of mine, her boyfriend, traveled to Eastern Europe with a couple of his college buddies. They stopped in you know, some, I don't even know what language was spoken in this country. They stopped at a gas station, weren't able to, and I mean, honestly, they're, they're college guys. So how, you know, yeah, anyway, I not to be denigrating in any event, they accidentally either put diesel in a gasoline car or gasoline in a diesel car, totally screwed the car up. And at first they're like, holy crap, man, we are in a world of hurt. Come to find out credit card that they had paid for that card with completely covered all of that because there was some sort of, you know, some sort of supplemental insurance company along coverage along with that credit card that came part and parcel of having that card. So they got off pretty easy for that, but that is not a thing I would leave to the, just leave to the gods when I traveled. I'd want to know that well ahead of time. Yeah. And full disclosure, a lot of these places that uh, especially when I was with the government, when I'd fly in uh, or arrive in another country on a boat or whatever, and, and Uncle Sam was paying for it, I didn't care. They told me there would be two sedans there that would meet my needs, and sure enough, when I showed up, they were there. But it's a whole lot different when you're using your own uh, coin on these things. So um, when it comes to tips for picking up and uh, returning rental cars, I mean, you really need to hang on to the the information that they give you so you know exactly where to bring it back and in what condition to bring it back. Uh, one time I brought back a rental car, and I was kind of running a little late for my flight, and the people that were that they were there to take the car, they were just standing there uh, bullshit, and they weren't paying attention to me whatsoever. And I'm like, what do you mean to do with the keys? What do, you, what do you mean to do with this stuff? Do you need the mileage? And the guy just said, hey, man, leave the keys in the car. I said, oh, okay. Chucked the keys in the car, hit the locks, and shut the door and walked away. And then as I'm walking to the terminal, he says, 
do you have a key? I mean, it's locked. I'm like, I don't know, man. You told me to put the freaking keys in there and lock it. So that's what I did. And uh, not my problem. So you need to understand where these vehicles need to go back to and what what way they need to be brought back. Also, one thing on rental cars, once you have that receipt in your hand, that transaction is done. You are free and clear of that car. So that's always my breath hold moment to like, all right, I got that receipt. All right, have a nice day. Anything that happens to it after this is on you. Yeah, it ain't my problem. So um, when it comes to driving in, in Europe, you know, some places are driving on the right-hand side of the road. Some places are driving on the left-hand side of the road. That presents its own hurdles. But I, what's interesting, though, most Americans will may find weird is you will not normally need a different kind of driver's license. The driver's license you got in, in South Dakota is probably going to work just fine. But I will tell you that some of the signs and some of the driving uh, ways over there are going to be a little foreign to you, no pun intended. So let's talk about um, few, any other things about cars. I mean, I feel like we could go all day, but I, I don't want to dig too deep into this thing. I don't have too much on cars, man, because especially overseas, I generally try to avoid driving and running a car unless it's canada i'll drive my car up there but yeah generally i try to fly to wherever i'm flying to and take some sort of transit to and from i i have rented a car a couple of times overseas but it's not my it's not my preferred technique now and the next thing we have on here is packing but i think we're should we do a a separate uh, podcast on it or make it a blog or what do you think yeah we should definitely do something on it man i i you know a, a lot of it goes back to the edc concept that we talked about a, a couple of weeks ago i uh, that's a lot of my travel luggage right there is my edc bag but uh, there's also some things that change when i travel and depending on the length of my trip some different things and i probably need to get those thoughts together together and actually have a coherent explanation of what i think about when i'm packing to travel and generally it all boils down to this you need a lot less stuff than you think you do well that is the truth man and the book of the week this week uh, is by Rick Steves, and I tell you, he is huge on that. He's like, if you don't want to pack this small, and he gives you several reasons why it's important, and read the book. We'll talk about it at the end of the show. He says, then basically put the book down right now, because some of the things I'm going to talk about, you can only experience if you travel light and can take advantage of these things as they happen. Let's talk about money, man. Hit me. Talk to me about money. Well, cash or credit, brother, how do you travel? A little bit of both or one or the other? A little bit of both. So uh, I've got quite a few thoughts on this. First and foremost is I always want to have some local cash. Um, part of it's just for I, – I don't bring a lot of – I don't buy a lot of souvenirs. I don't go to the Caribbean and buy some bottle of rum that's garbage to them, but they charge 30 bucks for it and bring it home. And uh, what I like to bring home is money from different places – uh, I've got a I've got a box full of all kinds of different money from all kinds of different places, but I, I love to get cash. I love to pay for things in cash. I try to use my credit card to the absolute minimal amount possible, especially when I'm traveling. Travel hubs like hotels and airports are extremely, I guess, rife with uh, with all sorts of criminal activity. I want to avoid giving my credit card out to all those places that I possibly can. So I'll generally stick to cash, but I'm always going to have a credit card in my pocket that has enough money to without question, get me home or to at least get me somewhere else if I need to. And if you are traveling overseas, 
you might want to go to your local bank and let them know that you're going to be traveling with that card so that they see that card being used at a surf shop in Australia. They know that it's you and not somebody that stole your information online. The other thing I would say is, I'm with Justin, I really like to travel with foreign money and use the local currency. Um, I think it's it's just like being able to speak the language. You're getting immersed in the other culture. You've got to figure it out. And That's something I really enjoyed about traveling around Europe as a younger man before the Euro when you really had to, it's lira here and drachma there and a peso here and the pound there. I really enjoyed that and kind of miss it a little bit. The other thing I want to say on exchange rates, if you exchange money in an airport, understand they're going to take a huge cut of that money, sometimes 10 to 15%, which you can use your uh, credit card or your debit card a lot of times to pull it out. Now, yes, you will often pay a service fee of, say, $3, or you'll pay an international exchange rate of a couple of bucks. But still, in the long run, it's going to be cheaper using the ATM than using those really convenient exchange rate booths. Have you found that to be true? No question about it, man. Those things are, man, those things are terrible. And they have them in all the major airports. And I I would stay far, far away from those things. All right. So that's a little bit about money. Let's talk about phones, technology, and electronics when you're traveling. Justin, can you lead into this one? Oh, boy. So this is a big, big topic. Um, on the notes here, you've got a couple of things. Universal adapters, that's absolutely a necessity. And, and y- you guys know that when I talked about my EDC bag, one of the big things that I talked about was all the electronic stuff I keep in my bag to get my to keep my phone charged because my phone is a method of communication. It's a method of accessing information. If I happen to be stranded somewhere. It's a way to find hotels, find other flights, find different alternative means of transportations. It's a way to provide maps for myself. It's all these things. So it's really important that I keep that thing charged. The one thing that you're going to want to add to that, depending on where you're traveling, is some sort of travel adapter to be able to actually access whatever sort of electronic or electricity they have and whatever voltage. Not everybody works. In fact, most of the world doesn't work on the standard what we consider to be the standard 110 volt system, right? Yeah, correct. So uh, there's a lot on this, and and it's pretty unique to everybody. Whether you're uh, you're going to be using the internet, how are you going to be using it? Are you going to be using your phone over there? Do you want to use your phone over there? One of the things we've done, and I'm not sure that it was the best way to travel overseas, but we would pay the the fee. I think it was like ten bucks a day on one of our devices so that somebody had the ability to send and receive phone calls while we were overseas. The rest of the the us, we would just use our phones and use the Wi-Fi wherever we were at. But some people will get SIM cards and, and all this kind of stuff. You, VPNs, would you recommend that, especially for overseas? I absolutely would recommend a VPN, even not for overseas, but definitely for any kind of overseas travel. Again, because those tourist locations, hotels, airports, tourist trap type places where everyone's using the Wi-Fi, everyone's passing their credit card over that Wi-Fi, everybody, especially places that you pay for Wi-Fi with your credit card number. I got ripped off doing that once. Definitely use a virtual private network uh, to do that. And and we'll talk about this in a future episode. That's going to give you an encrypted connection to a server that's somewhere in some safe location, basically out of that local network area. Um, back to the, Real quick, back to those travel adapters. I would say look for something that provides clean power. Like, you're going to want to spend a little bit of money on this. I would not cheap out on this because 
all the world doesn't have the exact same NEC and FCC and whatever other standards that we have for providing clean power or pure sine wave power. A lot of that will be what's called brown power, which has like spikes in the voltage and it's it's just not clean power going into your $700 smartphone. I would definitely spring for something that's going to equalize that voltage before it puts that into your $1,000 computer, $1,000 smartphone, whatever you happen to have on your, uh, be traveling with. Bro, that is a great, great example. And a lot of the third world countries that I've been to, there's parts of the day that they just don't have power. I mean, the, the local city just doesn't have power. And it's it's kind of cool. Everybody rolls with it, you know. And some people go home and have a siesta while the power's out. Some Sometimes you just sit there and have dinner, and the, they'll, they'll bring candles out and light them on the table, and you sit there in the dark and enjoy it, and then the power will kick back on. So having a uh, adapter that has, like, a surge protector or something like that in it is, is to me, it's a must. So anything else on phones and technology stuff? Uh, I think that's about it, man. Let's talk about crime and safety, something near and dear to my heart. The the U.S. State Department at travel.state.gov, and this will be in the show notes, has some amazing travel advisory tips in there for every single country. They're monitoring whether there's civil unrest going on in this country, and if so, where and why. Is there some sort of outbreak going on in this country? Is Ebola back like it is right now as we're recording this in parts of Africa? So is there an election that's very contentious going on right now that's going to cause some travel concerns for Americans? All of these things are things that you need to be aware of, and you need to look at this website to find out more. And they will uh, they will break the travel down into this is a heightened travel risk or this is not a risk at all or do not travel. So please take a look at that, if you're, especially if you're traveling out of the country. The next thing is, with crime, are you traveling with a firearm? Now, of course, if you're staying in the United States and you have a concealed carry license, there's some places you can go on the Internet that to find out whether you have reciprocity or not. I would, I would encourage you to, before you just take those sites at face value, and maybe we'll have some links to that in the show notes, uh, there's some pretty good stuff out there, but always go back and check your own state. And a lot of times, buddies of mine will take and laminate the cards uh, and where they got the information and have that on them so that they can give that to the police officer if they are traveling outside their local jurisdiction. Another thing I think you need to know when it comes to safety and travel is know where the embassy is and know the embassy's phone number. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree. And I would uh, probably always want to know the phone number to the regional security officer, the RSO, or to post one, which is always manned at every single embassy that's manned by a Marine security guard at every single embassy in the world. Uh, I would, I would look into that, but like pick your country you're traveling to. You can call, you can contact the department of state and request contact information for that embassy. I would always 100% of the time know that information, especially if I'm traveling some, again, off that beaten track, that Western Europe, you're going to go to Paris with your kids and take them to the Louvre and the Eiffel tower and fly back home. If you're doing any kind of travel, it's any more adventurous than that, I would definitely want a way to contact the embassy. Um, one other thing that I'm going to throw in here on travel and safety is I would always want to travel with enough cash money to get me out of that country. And I've mentioned this before. There's a podcast. Rich, have you ever listened to uh, Radical Personal Finance? 
Uh, have you been a guest on that before? I have been a guest a couple times, and he's also been a guest on Complete Privacy and Security. Yeah, I think I heard the one that you were on. So uh, the guy that the guy that runs this, Joshua Sheets, is uh, I would say he's definitely a ra- he definitely meets the radical criteria for radical personal finance, and he covers a lot of topics that are well off the beaten track of typical finance shows. He covers things like living in your vehicle to save money or you know, whatever the case may be. But he has one called planning to be financial planning to be a refugee, basically. And this is for people that live in countries where the government is unstable and there might potentially be problems there for people that are traveling to places like that. And he makes some recommendations, uh, like always have, you know, enough gold that you can transform into a plane ticket or a train ticket or a boat ticket out of that country. And gold is, is a really easy example because it's very compact. It's very lightweight relative to its value. And anywhere in the world, at some pawn shop, flea market, sook, whatever, you could transform that into enough cash to buy yourself a plane ticket to get out of that country. Uh, I'm going to post a link to that episode in the show notes. If you're a traveler, I definitely think you should go listen to that episode and take that take what he has to say to heart on that one. I'm going to give another. I'm going to throw another book of uh, this. Ain't the book of the week this week, but it it could be. Now that you mentioned that uh, financial planning and living like a refugee, there's a really good book by Stephen Rogers. It's called The Last Resort, and it's a memoir of uh, let's see, a memoir of mischief and mayhem on a family farm in Africa. And this guy, he escaped Zimbabwe, but his mom and dad decided to stay. And his mom and dad, I think, were originally from England and then moved down to Rhodesia. Rhodesia becomes Zimbabwe, and they're, they own a little resort. And they're living there at the time of the financial collapse in Zimbabwe. And there are so many little neat lessons that you learn about what happens with regard to finance when, the, uh, when you're in hyperinflation. And what are some of the things you can do to cope? How do you get gas? How do you get bread? If you've ever been interested in that and you want an entertaining read, man, I can't recommend that book enough. So anything else on crime and safety? Man, I think we could probably talk quite a bit more on that, but I think... We, I, let me let me do one more thing, Justin. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, because you're, you're right, and we could, but I want to do one other thing. You really need to understand that the self-defense laws in other countries are absolutely not at all what they are here. I would encourage you to read up on what they are in the country you're going because everyone is different. What can you carry or what can't you carry? I was shocked to learn when I went to the U.K. last year. They do not recognize any defensive tools, not a single one. So there's pepper spray will get you 10 years in prison. Uh, Carrying a knife, it cannot be for the purpose of self-defense. It needs to be for something else. What are the knife laws? What are the, I mean, there's a whole lot of things to consider that are completely foreign, no pun, in in these foreign countries that you may or may not visit. So uh, that's all I'd say about crime. You could, I think a lot of what you can learn, you can learn from uh, the State Department's website. Of course, if you're going way off the beaten path in a foreign country, you're not going to stay in and around the Louvre when you go to Paris. You're going to stay somewhere out in the suburbs. You definitely want to look into that uh, locally. Let's talk about sleeping and eating and all this other kind of cool stuff while you're traveling. I will personally tell you, a travel pillow for me and a sleep mask, earplugs are a must. Sleep mask, pillow, earplugs, every time. What do you think? 
Uh, not so much for me. Uh, I'm. I probably should, to be honest. I I've never. I well, I take that back. I have slept with earplugs before, but I've never used a sleep mask. Um, I don't know. Tell me about it. Well, we mentioned this in the sleep episode. For me, my uh, I have very light sensitive eyes, so any amount of ambient light in a room while I'm trying to sleep is going to cause me some issues. I mean, uh, a bright day outside could give me a migraine, so I, I recognize that. And, and if I need to catch some sleep while I'm traveling and we're on a train or a plane or what have you, and I need to shut the world off so that I can catch up on my sleep, I'm going to do that with a sleep mask. Also, melatonin is another big one that help you sleep. Uh, five milligrams, 10 milligrams of melatonin to knock you out and get over that jet lag might be a good idea. I say earplugs because I was in a uh, hotel downtown, um, I guess it was in Europe last year, and we were right downtown, and we were high enough latitude that they didn't have air conditioning. You just had to open the windows. The partiers were out there all night long, and I didn't discover that the first night, and it really interrupted my sleep. So I went out and bought some cheap, foamy earplugs. That took care of that. When it comes to other things, though, man, we, we, talk, we talked about sleeping and eating with this part. I don't know, man. Maybe some Emodium AD may be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no question about it. And I am uh, maybe a little bit prone to a, a little bit of traveler's diarrhea. So this is a sea story that I always heard in the military. If you got diarrhea, it's because your body needs to get that out of you or whatever. And that is just not the case. Uh, if you... Uh, and again, I'm not I'm not a physician. I'm not an expert on this, but I I have read some uh, have read into this quite a bit. If you have diarrhea, it's not because your body's trying to get rid of the toxins or the bacteria or whatever. Those things are there until they run their course. Basically, those things are trying to flush as much liquid out of you as they can, so they can spread themselves. And basically, it's dehydrating your body. So yeah, I would want some. Man, Imodium AD is always on my and that's Hydra. Uh, loperamide hydrochloride uh, if you're trying to buy the um, generic version I would never travel without that stuff cool so that kind of leads us into the next thing of health and hygiene so we talked a little bit about modium uh, the other thing I would say and we talked about this briefly in EDC episode is a little bit of Benadryl goes a long way especially if you go into another country where there's some things that may bite you and you don't know how your body's going to respond to that. Or maybe some different plants and things of that nature that you're, you're maybe not used to could cause you some have some rhinitis or some allergies. Uh, a laxative maybe, not a bad idea. And also any personal medications that you might need. Um, female needs, you know, if you're traveling with females, man, I tell you what, there's a... You could plug a gunshot with a with a tampon just as easy as it can um, help with your menstruating needs. So there's some things that with health and uh, hygiene that maybe not as universal as you would think around the world. So I would consider taking those with you. Yeah, good good advice on that, man. Did you talk about water purification already? As you said in our EDC episode, 60 to 70 percent of your body is water. You're going to have to intake water, and most of the world does not purify water to the standard that the United States does. So most of the people that live in those countries have adapted to those particular bacteria. They've developed the antibodies or, I don't know, whatever it is that makes them able to process that water and not get sick from it. But you and I, my friend, 
have not. So I would definitely be prepared for that. And a lot of that's just kind of awareness of always ask for bottled water or if you get uh, drinks, don't get ice in them because the ice is nothing more than frozen portions of that exact water that you can't drink. And I don't know, if you're drinking a cocktail with a bunch of alcohol in it, does that kill whatever's uh, whatever's in there? It didn't for me, brother. Um, I was in Asia drinking something they called a bullfrog, some green little thing, and I tried to stick to the beer, you know, take the cap off myself, and somebody talked me into having one of these, and three days later in the hospital going out both ends with food poisoning, and I, it didn't occur to me what the ice situation was out in town, but what it was, it was not only what you said, and that is frozen water that I shouldn't have been drinking from the get-go, but they also, they would drop off these huge blocks of ice like we did here in the United States at the turn of the century, and they would sit on the sidewalk for a few hours, and then somebody would drag them in the club, put them in this bin, and then they'd chop them up and mix them in the drink, so it's got whatever filth from the city street in with that ice, so like Justin said, ice is an absolute no-go, all right? What's the next thing, Justin? Oh, yeah, so well, let's stay on the water topic, I guess, for a minute longer. Yeah, yeah. What are some other things? Well, uh, so I I am a big fan of water purification tablets, and probably irrationally so, because I'm all about sustainability, and these things are not sustainable. Once you use a certain number of them, and that's all you have, guess what? They're gone, and you're not purifying any water. But the awesome thing about these, they're incredibly small, incredibly lightweight. You can carry a bunch of them at very minimal cost to you. I like the uh, Katahdin MicroPure water purification tablets. I think they come in a package of 20 for about 10 bucks or something like that. And again, man, each of these things are individually wrapped. They take up almost zero space and each one will purify one quart of water, which is, you know, like we talked about in EDC, which I feel like we're referencing that episode quite a bit. A quart is what most common water bottles are. So you drop one of those things in there, leave it in there for about half an hour, and it'll kill whatever whatever's in there. Now, there's a bunch of different types of these. The MicroPure uses a form of bleach that is odorless and tasteless. It doesn't make your water taste, taste give it that chlorine taste or anything along those lines, but it'll kill everything that's in there. The other option is iodine tablets, and I use these things a lot in Sear School and have, have you ever actually put these things in water, Rich? No, I have not. I've, I've heard it gives the water an unpleasant taste. It sure does. And also, if you if you take that iodine tablet pure, it's not super good for you. And that's one of the ways they screwed with us in Sear School is when we got captured, the captor was like, what is this? Are you, do you have poison? And it's like, no, no, it's to purify your water. And they're like, oh, I'm going to eat some then. And you're like, no, no. Um, is that like just a way to mentally... I don't know, try to screw with you, but um, iodine does make your water taste like absolute garbage, and that's basically all we could drink for, I don't know, a week or 10 days or so, collecting your waters out of stream. You had to purify everything with those tablets, and I'm not sure how good that is for you for long for extended use, but um, there are some secondary benefits to having potassium iodide tablets, and that is for radioactive emergencies. Rich, you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that, you know, if, if if you're not familiar with this, the thyroid gland is something that's really going to be affected by radiological emergencies, and potassium iodine tablets are amazing for helping with that. They're commercially available. You can get them on 
Heck, you can go on Amazon and buy them. They're FDA approved and everything like that. The problem you need, the thing you need to know is taking potassium iodine for a radiological emergency is not something that you can do before the event happens. This is something only to take after the emergency. So have them on hand, have them in your travel bag, especially if you're going somewhere like, I don't know, North Korea. But uh, seriously, folks, uh, that's not a bad idea. And circling back to the water, you know, iodine tablets, if you don't like that weird taste, you're you don't dig it. There's also Sawyer squeezes, life straws, and some other things that they weigh almost nothing. They take up almost no space. If you're going somewhere in another country where the water's going to be real iffy, I would highly encourage you to take one of those three methods to to take care of your water. Uh, Justin, I think you've got some travel tips you wanted to share with us. What do you got, brother? I definitely do, man. So I'm going to steal a quote from the late, great Anthony Bourdain here. And this sums up my philosophy pretty much entirely. Be a traveler, not a tourist. So get off the beaten tourist traps. Again, like Rich said, the tourist trap things are cliche for a reason. And if I go to Philly, I'm going to eat that damn cheesesteak because I know for the rest of my life, everybody's going to ask me, oh, did you have a cheesesteak? So some of those trap touristy things I'm going to do. But generally, I also like to get off that beaten track a little bit. And uh, I, five things that have served me really, really well in traveling every single continent except Antarctica are first and foremost, this is rule number one or principle number one or idea number one, however you want to look at this, learn a little bit of language. And you don't have to learn a lot. You don't have to buy a $250 Rosetta Stone course. Hello, goodbye, thank you. Like those three things will go a long, long way in the native language. And the second thing is, um, according to your notes, is smile. Tell me about that. Smile. Be friendly. Don't don't uh, don't have your head in your smartphone the whole time. Actually, smile and act like you're making an effort to uh, to interact with people. Look happy. Don't look like the pissed off American. Don't look angry. Don't look frightened the whole time. Be happy, man. Like that's almost a that's a universal language. That's every that's something that every single person on the planet understands we all have the same seven basic emotions and just by smiling and not looking like you know again back to reference your book not looking like the ugly american goes a hell of a long way toward uh you know getting people to look kindly upon you and you know put yourself in the same shoes if someone travels to this country that doesn't speak the language that doesn't look like you do that looks like an asshole when they come up to you to ask you directions or you know, try to interact with you in some way, you're probably going to act very differently than if they have a big smile on their face. So the third one you got down here is get comfortable getting out of the tourist traps. Ask where the locals eat. Are you meaning literally just ask them where they go or how do you do that? Yeah, definitely, man. I, I have awesome success, success with this in the United States and Oconus asking people where they eat. So, um, man, I'll give you a perfect example of this. So I was driving through Pennsylvania one time and I had actually I was traveling down the entire East Coast. I was traveling from Boston, Massachusetts, I think down to uh, maybe down to Tampa. And I had planned to stop about halfway in between. But when I hit Pennsylvania, the snow started hitting the windshield. I tried to push through because I could uh, I could see on the map that the weather was you know once I once I got past Harrisburg I'd be good. But I never made it, man. The roads just got too bad. I pulled off into a hotel. And I had my uh, I had my German Shepherd with me, 
and just stopped at the first Hilton property that I saw in this tiny little, I think it was called Piney Grove or Pine Grove. Are you familiar? No. Huh? So uh, <laughs> pulled off in this tiny little town, and I could see a little diner right across the street from the hotel, but I was like, I, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll check in. So I checked in. I asked the girl at the desk, hey, where where's a good place to eat around here? And she's like, well, it's about three miles away from here, but... And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's well off the highway, but there's a little Irish restaurant down the road there, a little Irish pub and restaurant. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're willing to go down there, it is some damn good food. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to turn this little inconvenience into an adventure, which that's another quote. Uh, an adventure is just an inconvenience reimagined. So I, I went down there, I, I braved the weather and the icy roads and went down there and pulled into this Irish restaurant that was really just an old house that had been remodeled into a restaurant and had one of the best meals I've had in my life. Met a couple of awesome people that hung out with me for a while. Anyway, ended up going back to my room and going to sleep, getting on the road early the next morning, but could have just gone to the diner that was across the street. Really, really easy, but ask where the locals eat, ask what the locals do, ask where they hang out. That's where you find the real flavor of a place, I think. I like that uh, quote you had. I'm going to throw another one on there. Someone once said that the equation for happiness is this. Happiness equals reality minus expectations. So don't expect the, don't expect the world to owe you anything when you're traveling. Enjoy the local culture that you find yourself in. Get off the beaten path like Justin said and, and enjoy it. Let's talk about number four, bring less stuff. What do you mean when you say bring less stuff? Well, uh, if you're traveling around with a suitcase, a second suitcase, a carry-on bag, and a small personal item that you can also bring on the plane, that's going to encumber you. That's going to vastly limit the amount of things you can do, your modes of travel. You just, it, it ties you down, man. You get tied down to this stuff. And you know, I'll throw another cliched quote in there. I'd rather have a passport full of stamps than a house full of stuff. If I can travel less, if I can travel in a single backpack, I will. And basically, all I need is one change of clothes. If especially if I emphasize non-single use items like my soap, the soap that I wash my body with also uses works to wash clothes with. It will also work to wash dishes with. You can brush your teeth with it. It doesn't taste very good, but uh, it's not terrible. And you can brush your teeth with it. Like it does everything. Basically, that eliminates like five other things I need potentially. And one change of clothes, I can wash those clothes in the bathtub, dry them in the bathtub, and basically I'm I'm good ad infinitum if I'm willing to do a little extra work. And sometimes I'm not, man. If I'm traveling by car and I can throw everything I need in there, I will. But uh, if I'm trying to travel light, man, you, you can you don't need nearly as much as you think you do. And there's a couple of really good reasons to do this. Number one is with Allegiant and Frontier and some of these other low cost carriers. If you're not, you know, they're going to give you a really, really, really cheap flight. And where they try to hammer you at is in the check bag the and, and the all the other stuff that they try to add on to you. So if you can travel as light as possible, you can really travel cheaply. Now, the second thing I would say is last year when we were in uh, Western Europe, uh, we didn't take enough clothes for the whole time. So we knew we at some point we was going to have to wash clothes. And we thought we would be able to do it at the Airbnb we rented, this little cottage. However, we never could get the darn thing to work, couldn't get a hold of the owner, so we said, hey, screw it. 
we found a little caravan park not far away, and we went and you know washed our all of our clothes there. And you know while we put them in the wash, we just walked around and enjoyed the local pubs. So it, it was part of the fun that we had traveling light and washing clothes. I mean something as simple as that um, was really cool. Absolutely, man. That's such an American thing to think you need. If you're going for 10 days, you need 10 different changes of clothes and all this stuff. Basically, so I, I'm a big fan of wool, wool socks, wool T-shirts. They're kind of expensive, but wool doesn't hold like s- s- bad smells like cotton does. So, man, basically a pair of wool socks and a wool T-shirt is good for like four or five days by itself. Your pants can go a few days. Your outer shirt can go a few days. Like y- you don't need a brand new change of clothes for every single day you're there, man. If you got one extra change of clothes that you can wash, like it's a dry set to change into if you get wet and if it gets dirty, you can wash it in the bathtub and put your other set on. You're good to go, man. And, and you know, again, we're probably getting into the packing thing a lot. But. Yeah, I'm seeing a really, a really strong need to have the packing episode. So we, we will do that. I don't know if it's going to be a blog or a podcast, but I think there's a lot to learn there. Let's talk about your fifth one, Justin. That is... The Justin planning process. What is that? Well, I, in fairness, I got to give credit where credit's due. This is the Justin and Kai's planning process because we've kind of refined this down to an, well, I don't know whether to say an art or a science, but essentially it boils down to plan loosely, have some things in mind, but be prepared to abandon the plan at a moment's notice if something better comes up. Don't get married to the itinerary. And essentially it works like this. We went, uh, we, we flew out to a city recently and we're like, all right, we, we want to see these two breweries. That's in two days. That's all we really care about is seeing these breweries. We like, obviously love beer and we're like, all right, these are also things that would be nice to do, but whatever, if they happen, cool. And let me tell you, man, in two days, it felt like we spent six days at that place. We just, we hit that first brewery. We're like, all right, well, we've got a few hours, bef- you know, before the, you know, the evening pub crawl, dinner time, whatever we're going to do. So let's just get out and walk around and see what happens. Oh, somebody just told us about this place. Let's go check it out. You want to plan enough that you actually have some things to do, but you want to leave that open to basically indulging your flights of fancy and your things that you might want to see and, and whatnot. And, and along with that, I guess that also kind of means traveling with someone who's also willing to do that or whose interests align closely enough with yours that they're going to be cool with just going off and doing whatever, right? Yeah, totally, man. So those are really cool five travel tips. And anything else before we get into the book of the week? I think that's probably good, man. You uh, you ready to kick it? Yeah. So the book of the week this week is going to be um, a, a book that, that I really enjoyed. It's called Rick Steves' Europe Through the Back Door, the Travel Skills Handbook. And the 2018 edition is the 37th edition. He's been updating this thing every single year uh, for 37 years now. And it has everything in there from getting started, you know, and that is when I say getting started, I'm talking about like how to get inspired. Justin and I have given you some ways and hopefully we've helped you get inspired about wanting to travel. And um, the next thing is budget planning. We talked a little bit about that. He talks about traveling, travel documents, you know, what do you need? Do you need travel insurance? What is that? You know, before you go checklists, he talks about packing light. You know, he's got a list that he recommends, and, and Justin and I will give you ours. Uh, everything from flying and traveling and driving and navigating and money and sleeping and every single thing you could ever want to know 
about traveling, and and he makes a lot of really good uh, recommendations. Like Jess and I talked loosely about what is the right kind of voltage regulator when you're traveling. Well, he actually gives some very, very specific product recommendations that I think you will enjoy. So check that book out. It, it's like 20 or $30, but the lessons that you're learning from him, he has acquired over 37 years of traveling extensively throughout Europe. I'm definitely going to have to check that out, man. My brother, do you want to lead us out? Absolutely, man. Uh, so, everybody, thank you for listening to Across the Peak. Please check out acrossthepeak.com, where Rich and I have all sorts of other content, blog posts. Um, we have awesome show notes. I- I'm going to say it, man. We have probably some of the best show notes I have ever seen. The most important thing that you guys can do is to pass this information along to somebody else that can use it. Guaranteed, somebody else in your life could benefit from some of the information we are giving out here we want to make everybody more comp- more confident and competent at living life, man. Everybody's becoming more and more specialized in different silos of very specialized knowledge, and we want to pass general knowledge that every single human should know. So please spread this word to somebody else. Send them a link to the podcast. Send them a link to the blog, whatever, whatever it takes. And until next week, remember, be safe, and if you can't be safe... Be dangerous. You've been listening to the Across the Peak podcast. Be sure to visit acrossthepeak.com for show notes and bonus content. Until then, be safe. And if you can't be safe, be dangerous. Be dangerous.